0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. And Bart, it's been a little while since we've recorded it. In fact, the season had not yet started when we recorded our last preseason pod. Uh, I went off to Spain, then we were planning to do a show last week, but I left my computer at the TSA security (laughs) at BWI Airport, Uh, when I was going up to Boston to visit my folks uh, so I did not have my computer with me for a week thankfully those fine men and women at TSA tracked down my computer got it back in my hands and I'm ready to roll the night and we have a lot to discuss you you
1: up for it oh yeah let's do it um I don't know if you know this, Andrew, but uh, I actually did record an episode without you. Um, oh, that's I did true. That.
0: I'm sorry. I should amend that. I'm, <laughs> see, I'm such an egomaniac. If I'm not involved, it didn't happen. But <laughs>
1: I mean, that was really just, uh, you know, so if people are looking at the the last you know episode in the feed, it was just like me talking about my, my gambling <laughs> picks. And it was a lot of long shots and probably nothing will happen. You know, I was betting on like the Orioles to win the World Series and stupid stuff like that, you know.
0: And that was also a preseason uh, episode as well. So. It doesn't yeah.
1: change my my main
0: point, right? Which is this is our first in-season episode of the yeah. show, and we have new rankings up at rosrankings.com uh, for our updated rest-of-season rankings. Uh, 471 players currently ranked uh, with notes for many of them, um, some done in the preseason, some hot off the presses. Uh, And we just have a ton of guys to discuss here. So I think the agenda for today is that we are going to go through and talk about our movers and shakers uh, in those rankings, uh, the players that moved up and down our rest of season rankings. We will use that as a uh, opportunity to talk about some news and notes, injuries, call-ups, and also maybe identify some players that our listeners can pick up on the waiver wire uh, to help out their fantasy teams. Uh, so why don't we just jump right into that
1: let's do it I think the biggest the biggest news if we want to start with shakers uh, it's I don't I hate to start off the show on a down note but O'Neal Cruz you know tons of hype you know the guy was like throwing the ball a million miles an hour across the diamond last year hitting the ball you know harder than anyone and just a lot of you know excitement for for this guy and then he he broke his fibula he's going to be out like four months Um, I mean at at this point I mean if you have an IL spot you could certainly stash him and just hope that he comes back for like the last month but you know I think in a lot of leagues people are probably just dropping him and moving on Uh, so a big bummer I don't think there's any impact when you look at like Pirates players because it's the Pirates (laughs) you know like I'm sure like someone someone else is you know filling in there but it's just a real bummer for people who drafted O'Neill Cruz out there.
0: Yeah, I, you know the Pirates are a tough, tough franchise right now. It's kind of Brian Reynolds or bust at this point <laughs> with uh, with O'Neil Cruz uh, sidelined. Um, I, you know, I was not one of the high uh, people on Cruz coming into the season just because I had some questions about the swing and miss in his game. That strikeout rate last year was really scary, and uh, I thought you know there could be quite a uh, longer trajectory of transition for him, but. Uh, he was off to a pretty decent start And had only struck out in 20% uh, Of his plate appearances through his first uh, Nine games, so it, it's a real Bummer, um, but If you've got him in a dynasty league He's he's still only 24 years old So you have lots to look forward to For years to come um, And of course you're holding him in those formats For sure, but mm. uh, But yeah, there, there's not much else to say About that other than uh, my condolences To uh, his <laughs> managers And to Pirates fans everywhere
1: Yeah, I mean, if we want to go through some more shakers, when we when we talked about pitchers and did our starting pitcher previews, we both like Justin Verlander a lot, even though the guy is forty years old. You know, he's coming off a Cy Young. He's now with the Mets, and then he missed his first start, went on the IL. (laughs) So um, I I don't think many people saw that coming. I I mean, he was I think his velocity was down a little bit in the spring, and maybe he was you know not not doing great, and maybe some people may have seen some signs signs of that, but. Yeah, uh, Verlander, hopefully he'll be back soon, and this is not a long term thing. So, a little bit better news than the O'Neill Cruz. So, if you drafted Verlander, you know, hopefully you're just kind of hanging on there and he'll be back, you know, in another week or two.
0: Yeah, I mean, one thing about Verlander to me that I, struck me as a little odd in the preseason, and I was high on him compared to a lot of people, but not like as high on him as a, a few other pitchers. And that's because he, last season he, uh, his, his numbers were great, but I mean, his strikeout rate wasn't that dominant. So it was really Mm -hmm. about uh, being a workhorse, you know, and he has been a workhorse over the course of his career, but he is 40 years old now. So how much, I mean, we kind of knew his, his ratios were probably going to come up a bit. I mean, they were so amazing last year. It's just hard to have those kind of ratios without that massive strikeout rate, especially with the rule changes that we have in effect this year. So I was expecting those to come up a little bit. It was really just about, him being that workhorse and now he's already off to a a, a rough start on that so it is a little um, concerning I feel like just because he is 40 years old uh, is this going to be it for IL stints for him probably not you know I would expect Mm -hmm. him to have one or two other uh, IL stints at some point during the season you hope it's kind of a similar thing to Max Scherzer where it's just a, a week here week there or even a Clayton Kershaw you know if if they're dominant enough in those innings uh, you're not going to mind it too much, so he's still definitely a top 50 guy for me. But uh, I did feel like this was just sort of a reminder that we are talking about a guy who's 40 uh, at this point.
1: Yeah, and I remember in the preseason we were talking about him. You were—I don't know if you ended up keeping him in your keeper league. Uh, no. We were talking—we yeah, were talking about it, and I just remember thinking, like, you know, just kind of talking about him, like Tom Brady, right? You know, at some point he's going to fall off a cliff, and maybe this is the year. And so, in a keeper dynasty league, it's almost like, well. Maybe maybe keep someone younger. So I'm guessing you kept someone younger.
0: Yeah, well I was able to trade for Corbin Burns in that league. Oh,
1: uh, but we'll have
0: to we'll get to him in a minute. Um, but uh, just in terms of other injury shakers, um, Robbie Ray also uh, on the IL, and he, that's an arm injury. It's a little concerning for me. Uh, Brandon Woodruff just before we hopped on, he also landed on the IL with shoulder inflammation. So. Pitchers with arm injuries, uh, like the team always, uh, unless it's like a tear or something, you know, the team is always going to sound optimistic, uh, initially and say, we hope it's a minimum stay, um, you know, only miss two starts or something like that. Uh, but we know these things can sometimes spiral into something more significant. So I, I just get really worried about, um, pitchers with arm injuries and, uh, hopefully, uh, both of these guys are back relatively soon, but, um, that's they're like maybe a little more concerning than Verlander, honestly, who's uh, seems pretty close to returning at this point.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought Robbie Ray's was a hip for some reason, but you know, I was I was going back looking at his various injuries, and he's you know he's been on the IL you know before in his career, so I know he's someone who you don't like a ton anyway. So I would imagine you probably moved him down more than I did. I still have a little bit of faith for him for when he comes back. I mean, all these guys aside from O'Neill Cruz, you kind of we lower him a little bit for now, but. They might be coming back up in a couple weeks if they're if they're back in the fold.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, with Robbie Ray, what he did the last couple seasons actually significantly improved my, my uh, opinion of him because before those last two years, he was not the kind of pitcher I like to draft because he just walked way too many guys and gave up way too many home runs. So you were just mm-hmm. paying a heavy price for the strikeouts, essentially. Um, but the last two years, he really... Uh, took big strides forward in that regard. So I was fairly in on him this year. Um, but for me, it's the arm. It's just the fact that it is an elbow injury. And they say that it's a, just a grade one flexor strain. So maybe they caught it early and it's it's not going to be that big a deal. I think that's certainly possible. Um, but I just, I don't feel like we can assume that's the case, you know?
1: Yeah. I, another, another bummer, maybe along the lines of O'Neal Cruz, but hopefully not as bad. Uh, Adam Duvall, you know, Boston with Boston now, uh, outfielder. He had four home runs. He was batting .455, and then he has a fractured wrist. So this is someone who people probably had picked up off the waiver wire. He's now 78% rostered in Yahoo, probably someone who was not even drafted in shallow leagues, you know. So Duvall was a hot pickup early when we were not podcasting and you were on vacation there in Spain. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> But Duvall now, uh, you know, hitting the IL. We don't know details yet on duration, but this one could be a lengthy absence as well, you know?
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound that serious. I mean, it is a fractured wrist, but it sounds like maybe it's going to be a month or something like that. Uh, yeah. Certainly Fenway Park, seemed from the early return, seems to be a great fit for Adam Duvall. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I you know, I feel like in a standard 12-team league, he's not a must-roster player while he's on the IL. If you don't have a free IL spot, I think it's okay uh, to let yep. him go. We kind of know... What Adam Duvall is at this stage in his career, like he's he's in an ideal environment this season, so he could have one of his better seasons. But um, you know, he's he's a flawed player. He's he's kind of a three category guy, so um, or maybe even a two category guy. Um, and and then you know, it's funny with it's kind of like a yo yo thing. Like you pick guys up and then they immediately go on the IL. That happened not just with Duvall, but also Derek Hall, uh, yeah. who stepped in. Uh, for Reese Hoskins who tore his ACL and then Derek Hall is going to be the replacement and he tears a ligament in his thumb and now he's on the IL so if you if you were hoping that he was going to be your Reese Hoskins replacement you're back to the drawing board there and then also Zach Eflin had gotten off to a really nice start this season through his first two starts and now he's on the IL as well so uh, that one sounds pretty minor but uh, it's just uh, it's, it's frustrating when you're but that's what that's what you got to do at the end of your bench in a fantasy league. You churn it. You know what I mean. So like, if yeah. one guy doesn't work out, you just find the next thing.
1: And I think I have like five IL slots in one league. So like, I'm 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 stashing a ton of guys on the IL right now. But Derek Hall would be a guy who wouldn't even make the cut. I mean, he's nine percent rostered in Yahoo. He's someone who might be out two three months, and even when he comes back, like, do we really know what he'll be? So, no. d- don't even don't even waste time on on like a Derek Hall, you know. Just only turn in an extremely deep league. Yeah, I mean, he
0: was he's, <laughs> yeah. he was a strikeout machine, and he was going to hit for some power in those deeper leagues. But yeah, in a ten or twelve team league, he was already borderline rosterable even when he
1: was healthy. Yeah, Andre um, so, Muñoz yeah, uh, is one that we uh, you know should pro- probably mention. He has a shoulder strain, landed him on the IL, so. You know, that, that Paul Seawald and Munoz, both of those guys looked really good in that Seattle bullpen. I like Seattle this year a lot. I like the roster. I like their bullpen. But without Munoz, that, that really hurts. Um, Seawald, I'm sure, will pick up most of the saves. Uh, maybe he would anyway, but Munoz is just like high-leverage guy. So that would be a big hit to the team and uh, really just a guy who could get maybe 10, 12 saves and just really good ratios, strikeouts, everything. So that's, that's a bummer there if, if it turns out to be long-term.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is kind of similar to what I was talking about with Ray and Woodruff, where we don't really know the extent, the severity of the injury, uh, but it is a shoulder injury for a pitcher who throws extremely hard. So, yeah, um, you just hope that they caught it early and that a few weeks of rest is really all he needs to get back on track. But uh, that's just—it's you never know until you actually see it, you know. And um, I'll be curious to see. Um, how the Mariners handled the ninth inning um, without Munoz around. You know, I think most people assume that Seawald will just step in to basically be a full-time closer there, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like teams that have that committee mindset um, just kind of stick with that uh, unless they don't have any other options, you know, so uh, I feel like you could see um, some other guys potentially working in, um, but Seawald doesn't need to be the exclusive closer anyway to be uh, very valuable, so I'm not. I'm not suggesting you rush out and add a Matt Brash or a Diego Castillo or anything like that. But I just do think um, it might still be a little bit of a committee there in Seattle.
1: Yeah, another another uh, closer situation. Daniel Bard is on the IL, uh, dealing with anxiety. Another. I saw some other uh, players across the league. Austin Meadows is on the IL with anxiety. I know that Jared Walsh is on the IL with uh, headaches and dealing with insomnia. So it's just interesting to see some of these. IL you know guys going on the IL without some of these physical you know injuries that you can see like a broken leg and broken arm like we're talking about but guys are going on the IL and it's it's opening up an opportunity in the case of the Rockies for Pierce Johnson who's now almost you know 65-70% rostered so people were picking him up already Uh, if you're in a shallow league uh, you know it's tough to roster (laughs) a Rockies closer but he's the guy at least for now
0: yeah and I mean he he's a big strikeout pitcher so that's that's the good news the bad news is he also walks a lot of guys and you do wonder if that could eventually catch up to him uh pitching at course field but I would have said the same thing about Daniel Bard last season right. and he had a great year so uh I feel like based on the upside that Johnson has and and let's be honest if you're in a league that value saves like every closer is going to be rostered anyway so if if Pierce Johnson is available and you play in a a categories or a rotisserie league i think you got to go out and get him um if he's if he's still on the, on the wire yeah um a couple other injuries uh the white Sox. this mm-hmm. is just such a snake-bitten team the last couple of years uh tim anderson and eloy jimenez are on the il um and liam Hendricks, of course um but uh anderson is the the new one uh eloy jimenez seems pretty close to returning he could be back uh perhaps even by the end of this week um, but Tim Anderson, two to four week, uh, absence is expected for him. Um, I, th- I think you moved him down a lot more than me, although I think that might just be because you were lower on him than I was to begin yeah. with. I-, I was pretty high on Tim Anderson coming into the season and the early returns. Uh, he was backing it up. Um, he was playing pretty well. He already had five steals on uh, this mm-hmm. season. So, uh, I feel like he was going to maybe put up, uh, some pretty huge steals numbers with the new rules in place uh, hopefully you know this is a knee injury but um, hopefully uh, within a month he's back uh, to running as aggressively as he was in the early going
1: yeah and I mean the good news is uh, if there is any good news is that it's the shortstop position which is so deep I mean like I'm starting shortstops in my utility spot they're you know the, the position's so deep so there are guys that you can fill in for Tim Anderson for a couple weeks uh, if you have to do that
0: absolutely all right, so now a couple shakers. Let's just, let's let's we're getting all the bad news out early on. Yeah. Um so let's talk about some guys that have struggled in the early going and we moved down our rankings for that reason. Uh and we did briefly touch on Corbin Burns at the top. Um I'm not like I I moved him down a few spots. I really didn't move him that right. far. I think for me, I just had pitchers rated lower than hitters uh in the preseason to begin with. So Um, he's down at 26 for me now. I think you have him at 22. So it's not like we're, and that's among all players, not among pitchers. So we're still Hmm. quite high on Corbin Burns. I'm honestly not super concerned about him. He is going to be pitching tonight uh, right after we record. So uh, maybe I'll be more or less concerned about him after (laughs) that performance. Hopefully less, because I've got him, as I mentioned. Um, But, you know, I don't, I just don't, he's got too much of a track record over the last three seasons to, uh, read too much into two uh, rough starts, in my opinion. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I moved him down, but all I really did was I moved Garrett Cole ahead of him, which I, they were kind of my 1A and 1B going into the season. So I think I had Corbin ahead. So I, I moved Garrett Cole ahead, who's come out re- looking really, really good uh, to start the season. Of course, he's pitching right now too, so I'm not <laughs> exactly sure how he did tonight um, as we're recording. But, you know, basically just they're still my 1A and 1B, but I just moved. Corbin Burns down slightly and yeah it's it's too he's too good of a player uh, to just knee jerk and move him down 50 spots so not yet not worried um his teammate Woodruff as we mentioned before I'm a little more worried if you know it's an actual injury whereas with Burns I mean you know he could just have a couple rough starts and he might be fine so trade for Corbin Burns I would say right now (laughs) if you can you know absolutely yeah I mean two starts is such a blip
0: it's kind of And that's the challenging thing with pitchers is like your whole perspective on a pitcher can change dramatically from one start to the next at this time in the year. You know, Mm -hmm. and uh, speaking of that, that's what really happened with Sandy Alcantara, (laughs) because he he pitched a three hit shutout um, in his previous start and then got smacked around for nine runs (laughs) uh, the other day. Um, You know, I was already out on sandy alcantara coming into the season i was i was far and away the low man on him uh in the industry or or one of the one of the most uh pessimistic on him among uh fantasy analysts uh so uh, i'm just gonna take this as as proof that i was right of course (laughs) Uh, (laughs) no i mean i think sandy alcantara is still a very good pitcher but um You know, he's just not that big strikeout guy, and I worry that all the changes in baseball this season are going to particularly uh, affect pitchers like Sandy Alcantara that sort of pitch to contact, you know. So I've still got him ranked 54th overall, so it's not like I'm completely out on him or anything like that. I mean, he pitches in a really favorable environment, and he's going to be in a huge innings eater. Um, And I expect um, his ERA to come down quite a bit from – current mark which is well over five so he's gonna he'll settle in the low threes or something like that I would expect um so he's still gonna be good in the ratios um I just uh I just don't see ace um production necessarily compared to uh these these pitchers that can uh strike out well over a batter per inning
1: yeah you're right like you said like with the with the rule changes with you know maybe lefties get more hits off him this year with no shift and things like that um, you, you, had, you had already kind of convinced me to lower Sandy uh, When we did our pitcher previews You know, I had him a little bit higher And then I lowered him, you know, five or six pitchers You know, maybe out of my top 12 Can't remember, but I lowered him slightly But I already kind of had lowered him a little bit in my mind So, again, this is more of a guy Who's going to be, continue to be really good Probably in points leagues and things like that And not as good on a per-game basis I actually, you know, he's already had three starts So, like, his first start when he only, he didn't even go six innings I was like, who is this, you know And then he threw nine And then he threw four or something like last year. He was throwing seven, eight, nine innings like all the time. So we'll see if the volume will be there because so far, two out of three starts, it hasn't been. So that could be a concern too.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, I I do feel like also in April you tend to see this kind of thing though sometimes. I mean, um, now he he does pitch in Miami, so he doesn't have to worry about cold weather as much. But his last start was in Philadelphia. So um, maybe that partially explains uh, the struggles there. Um, Yeah some other strugglers uh Gunnar Henderson um uh, mm-hmm. this is a guy that uh everybody was really excited about coming into this season he seemed uh right. you know to look uh ready for primetime um as a as a very advanced uh hitter for a guy that's only uh just turned 22 years old um you know he did not look super overmatched um in his first taste of the big leagues last year but Right now, he does look pretty overmatched. He's got a 40% strikeout rate, and then he's hitting 148. Uh, now, it's only 35 plate appearances, 8 games. So, uh, you know, we can't read too much into this, but um, there was a lot of sort of projected um, growth in his numbers that was, that was already sort of priced into his draft day cost. And I feel like anyone that took the leap and reached a few rounds to draft him has got to be feeling a little bit anxious right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, like Bobby Witt Jr. is the same thing right now, although he's had a whole season and we've seen what he can do. But, you know, some guys might just be getting off to a slow start. But with Gunner, we haven't really seen it. And he did, like, last year he looked fine at times, but he also struggled against lefties. I'm going to have to pull up his splits to see if that's still the case, even though it's a, it is a small sample to start. I wonder if, you know, that's kind of what's going on here, too. But yeah, he just hasn't really produced very much. I mean, tonight he's over three. His last two games against the Yankees, he was over three. He even sat. Yesterday against Oakland And it's like, man, if you're sitting against Oakland I mean, Volpe, you know, sat today too For for the Yankees uh, So some of these young guys who were struggling out the gates I mean, I, I was really excited and drafted Volpe in the league And, uh, you know, he, he got benched today So this is could be just be some early season struggles for rookies And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely getting uh, a trade offer or two out there For a guy like Gunnar Henderson Just to see what people are, are thinking about for him And I don't think that the Orioles are going to be sending him down you know, or anything like that, but
0: like, mm-hmm. it is
1: an option, I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean,
0: maybe you can buy low, I guess that's possible. I, you know, I felt like coming into the season though, he was one of those guys that, um, I probably wasn't going to be drafting a ton just because people were expecting that leap. You know what I mean? And, um, I, you know, I like to, I like to get the post type sleepers cause they come dirt cheap, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, so I have a lot of those types of players on my rosters. Um, Less so the guys that everyone is in on that are you know expected to be the next big thing, um, but then again, if you drafted Jordan Walker instead, uh, you'd be uh, pretty happy right now. So um, <laughs> you don't you know you certainly don't want to miss those breakouts. It's just a question of cost. Um yep. And and then uh, another third baseman, uh, Alex Bregman, uh, off to a very slow start uh, as well, and. You know, I don't know. I just I feel like bregman is is one of these players that like his his preseason value was a lot of it was based on um his past successes and the shallow nature of third base this season. yeah and, and neither of those are great reasons to draft a guy. You know what I mean like um I mean, the run production numbers should should be good in Houston. And he's only got two RBIs so far this year. So (laughs) that's going to pick up for sure. I mean, last year he had 93 and 93 runs as well. Um, but I don't know. I just, he's just like one of those players that, uh, I feel like he's, he's his skills have sort of slipped a bit over the years and he doesn't run anymore. Uh, he hasn't hit more than 23 homers in a season since 2019. Uh, you know his batting average hasn't been over 270 since 2019 so um he'll still he'll still pile up numbers uh in the end like i don't think uh this is him i mean his you know he's he's gonna get that batting average up significantly from 163 obviously but i just don't think he's quite uh as great as um some people might still feel like he is
1: yeah and i i think coming into the season i really had him ranked highly because of the third base, third base position you know he was sort of that guy like after Nolan Arenado, it was like, all right, you had guys like Bregman and Gunnar Henderson, who we just got done talking about too, and it's like, well, do you want to take one of those guys in the middle rounds? And right now, you're looking good if you didn't, you know, and maybe if you grabbed a Jordan Walker, like he just said, a little bit later even in some drafts. Of course, by the time the season started, or we were getting close, uh, Jordan Walker was flying up uh, draft board. So, uh, But even, you know, they're Alec Bohm, right? Like, a guy like him is third base eligible. Like, he's he's off to a nice start. He might have a similar season to an Alex Bregman, and you could have gotten him – way later in draft so something like that so I would agree agree with you I haven't moved him down a ton just because I don't know the third base position I think he might still end up he'll probably still end up being like a top 10 fantasy third baseman and he's gonna you know he's gonna positive, positively regress here but your point's taken I think you're, you're you've are you just not been a Bregman guy and for the reasons you laid out I mean I can see why uh, He's he's been kind of mediocre <laughs> yeah
0: yeah uh, so let's do some other quick hits on Shakers and then we'll move to the good news sure uh, so uh, Tyler O'Neill's a guy I have on this list, and uh-huh. I just, I mean, you, you probably saw it on uh, social media, people talking about how he got benched uh, by Ali Marmal because he didn't uh, hustle enough on the base paths, and there was a lot of debate about whether he had really been hustling enough or not, um, but he seems to be sitting basically once every three or four games right now, which uh, is more than people were expecting, I think, and that's going to make it tough for him to fully meet expectations um you know i he's he's one of these hard players to, to gauge to begin with because like he's got some nice um category juice that he can provide at mm-hmm. times but um he just strikes me as a very sort of streaky player you know like last year he was bad uh, in terms of batting average um 228 the year before he hit 286, the year before that 173. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, what what is what is a normal batting average <laughs> for Tyler O'Neill? I'm not really sure. Um Right. Uh, you know, th- he does provide the power and the speed, which is interesting, but the power was down quite a bit last season, only 14 home runs in ninety-six games. So uh yeah, I don't know. I, he hadn't attempted uh, a steal yet this season, I don't believe, or certainly hadn't converted one. No, he hadn't even attempted one yet uh, in 10 games, uh, has one home run on the season. So I, I'm just getting a little anxious that he might not be an everyday player. That's the big thing for me.
1: Okay, and that's fair. I don't have anything to add about Tyler O'Neal. One guy that I added on, on the list was Jeremy Pena, and honestly like I'll probably need to bump him back up a little because – the reason I lowered Pena was, you know, he got he got lowered in the order. You know, he was batting leadoff, which now is Chaz McCormick. And since Pena moved down, I'm just looking at his the last four days, you know, he, he had a ton of 0 for 4s, over for 5s batting leadoff. But the last four days, 1 for 4, 2 for 4, 1 for 5, 1 for 4, he's got a home run in there. He actually has two home runs in his last six games. So he's starting to heat up a little bit. And, you know, he's he's now batting 208. I mean, he was batting like 100 uh, when I was updating my rankings over the weekend. So maybe I'll bump Pena back up. And this just kind of goes to show you that, like, this is very early. You don't want to lower guys too much. Um, and Pena is a guy I'll probably just slightly bump back up a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so some other guys for me, Josh Bell, like, he's just another player that I've never fully bought into. I, I, like, he seems to have just these r- stretches where he looks great and then stretches where he looks terrible. And, he seems to be in one of those terrible stretches right now um
1: yeah so under 100
0: (laughs) yeah so i mean to me he's just not like a must roster player necessarily when he's struggling this hard this badly you know like if you if you have another option at first base like uh, you know you certainly can't just be stubbornly be putting him into your lineup all the time and and if he's sitting on your bench then it's like well should i have somebody with more upside on my bench because he's He was supposed to be more of like this high-floor guy, but like high-floor guys shouldn't struggle this badly.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Um, A couple pitchers on this list. One for me was Jose Barrios. Uh, He was even dropped in one of my leagues. So, I mean, this is just someone who, when he was with the Twins, he was kind of looked at at almost like an ace or borderline because he was just sort of the – he was their best pitcher, and he was always kind of probably better in points leagues. He was somewhat of a workhorse, but – Coming over to Toronto, he just hasn't been that good and, and off to a rough start this year. So yeah. I've lowered him quite a bit. And yeah, another guy, I, w- I would say you don't have to hold on to him, you know, Jose Barrios.
0: I agree. He got dropped in my league and he's still sitting there on the waiver wire. I, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's, it's one of these things where like I got, he's the kind of player that I was like, sure, you know what, at, at the end of your draft, why not just draft Jose Barrios with one of your last picks? um and don't start him (laughs) in his first start and just see how he looks you know and then you can decide but I feel like it's been two terrible starts which is more than enough uh to decide to just uh get him off of your roster I mean he has had piled up a lot of strikeouts so far but um that's really the only saving grace I mean his ERA is 11.17 right now and his (laughs) XERA is 593 which is you know only a little more than half of his actual ERA, but it's still really bad. So yeah, uh, I, I I have no problem moving on from him. Another guy I, I don't mind moving on from, and I hate it pains me a little. To say that is Ronzi Contreras because he is a guy that I like the the stuff, but the, unfortunately his velocity is down uh, this season, and we already knew he was going to have an uphill battle in terms of win potential pitching for the, those pirates, those snake bitten pirates. Um yeah. he he looked. Decent in his first start, but he only had two strikeouts in five and two thirds in that in that outing at, at Boston, and then he just got annihilated by the Astros last time out. Um, just the fact that there's an explanation for it with his stuff not popping as much as it used to, uh, that's a pretty big warning sign. So I I think he's another guy that I wouldn't mind uh, shedding to the waiver
1: wire. That's fair. I mean, he is 24% rostered. Uh, he's it's tough I like him too and I like his stuff and he's 23 years old I think maybe I would just bench him in his next start at St. Louis and then you know then maybe if he you know if he really looks bad again I think I would give him one more start on my bench if I can if I can uh you know it's certainly still in so a early to... league I think you got to do that but
0: in a standard yeah. 10 or 12 there yeah. might be you might be missing out on some of the guys we're going to be talking about um as potential pickups so
1: true Well, do you Um, want to get into him or anybody else you want to mention?
0: Well, I guess Sean Murphy is the other guy that's on this list for us. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, this one's a bit of a head scratcher. I mean, the Braves went out and made it a priority to, to acquire Sean Murphy. Um, but the thing is Travis Darnot is good. (laughs) He's a good player. He would have been the best backup catcher in baseball probably. And now I'm not sure we can even really call him a backup catcher. Uh, he's currently on the IL with a a concussion, but, um, he's, he's going to be back within a week, um. And the, the you know in terms of playing time, they're they're splitting the catching duties pretty evenly. But it's actually Darno that's been getting more opportunities at designated hitter uh, than Sean Murphy has <laughs> so far. Yeah. So uh, it looks like Murphy might actually be slightly on the short end of a platoon there, which is not at all what people were expecting when they were drafting him as a consensus top ten catcher.
1: Yeah, true. I mean, the, I guess the one good news is I know you were you were big you were higher than consensus on some of the Braves outfielders who are off to a little bit of rough start like marcelo zuna's batting under 100 so he's not like a must to be in yeah. the dh either and i mean eddie, eddie rosario uh he's he had a slow start but he's, he's been getting a few hits lately so you know just looking at their lineup and michael harris is injured i think we forgot to add him to the injury uh you know list earlier so I'm too pained you know, by that one to even discuss it. <laughs> we could <laughs> Thankfully, do it. it's not a huge injury. But yeah. So, so I mean, even when Darno comes back, like you could see games where Murphy and Darno are both in the lineup. Um, so I, we'll see. I mean, Murphy just hit a home run uh, last night, I believe. Maybe he maybe he got like a little kick in the butt, you know, with Darno out and getting the chance to start. So we'll see. That you're right. They they paid him too much money to come over here to just sit him like every other day or something that just seems strange to me you know yeah it does and it um yeah no i think it actually could make
0: it could make sense that their best lineup right now would be uh to be playing both of those guys so yeah we'll see if they do that so far they've just shown more of an inclination to play Darno uh at dh than than murphy which is it it is a little confusing but anyway let's move on to some happier news let's move on to some some movers so the the movers up the rankings for us Mm -hmm. and let's start with the young guys uh, the potential breakout players. This is probably where we should have started the show because uh, this is this is what everybody wants to talk about. Um, so, top of my list, Wander Franco, and uh, I know you and I are both not traditionally been uh, in on Wander Franco uh, as much as other people because we just wondered where the category juice was going to come from, you know? Um, yeah. But the thing about Wander Franco, he's already hit four home runs and his launch angle is far higher uh, than it was last season. So uh, I wonder if there's a change of approach here that's actually going to lead to more power because we already know that Wander Franco has um, the, the you know one of the best uh, contact skill sets in all of baseball. Um, and if he can start lifting the ball more, uh, he's still never going to be a huge stolen base guy, but he does already have two of those this season as well. Mm-hmm. um and the rays i mean this team has just been unbelievable so far this season 10 and 0 um entering today uh and i this just could be a full on breakout for Wander franco at this point we we might end up having e
1: crow in this one it could be i mean he also was off to a pretty hot start in april last year too though so it could be that he just ends up hitting 10 or 12 home runs too i mean I, i'm not we won't know <laughs> what happens uh you know till it happens but yeah, he, he was hot last year and then he kind of cooled off and you know, had a slow month. So we'll we'll see. I'm not I'm not trying to throw like a wet blanket on it because I, I do think that I mean the guy's twenty two years old. Uh the Rays as a team, like you said, are, are looking really good. And yeah, it, it's very possible that the breakout's happening. I moved him up too.
0: Yeah, I mean to me the big thing is the launch angle is more than double what it was yeah. last season. So that's that's just a that looks like a change in approach. We'll
1: see if it sticks. It does. Yeah. Well, um one guy I was excited about uh, and I just kept moving up my list was Corbin Carroll. You know, i moved Corbin Carroll up a ton. Uh drafted him. Um he's, you know, not only he's he's showing a little bit of power, but he's also just like on the base paths. Five stolen bases already to add to those two home runs. Uh, batting 250, so he's 10 for 40 at the plate early on. That's fine. You know, slugging 425. I just think this is someone who I was drafting. I, I think I probably ranked him in like my top 20 or 25 outfielders for sure. And he just looks like a rookie of the year type candidate, uh, especially when you have guys like Gunnar Henderson
0: <laughs> struggling
1: mm-hmm. so much. You know, Corbin Carroll just looks like the real deal for my Arizona Diamondbacks, my NL team. <laughs> They're in first place. I think they just moved into first place uh, yesterday. Nice. So, yeah, beating, the, beating up on the Dodgers and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> love it.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I. I, I certainly uh, i'm right there with you on corbin carroll i mean i think most people had him ranked pretty aggressively this is one that seems like it's gonna uh it, it seems safer than the gunner henderson one though because like mm-hmm. the speed i mean that's the thing like i feel like he's got this high floor just because of how many bases he could steal i mean last season he stole uh 33 bases um between double a triple a and the diamondbacks uh this year like you said already has five steals in 11 games um you know i'm not sure he's gonna like his projections basically have him hitting around 250 and hitting you know a little over 15 home runs and that's probably about what he's gonna do in those categories but the steals is where he could really uh blow past his projections i mean they had an for around 20 steals and it looks like he could get more like 40 steals so if that's mm-hmm. the case like this is kind of this could be like a peak um Whit Merrifield kind of a season or something like that
1: yeah um well I mean I think someone who could have an even better season uh is Jordan Walker I mean I feel like we should have if I were putting it to get well we, we kind of put this together ourselves but I, w- I probably would have put him up here first because I am just like in love with Jordan Walker. <laughs> and, I mean, a buddy of mine sent me like his Statcast page the other day, and his max exit exit velocity is like ninety eight percentile. <laughs> you know, his his XBA, he's up there. His sprint speed is like eighty eight. You know, he's he's up there in all these like categories. He's on a ten game hitting streak. Uh, he's playing in cores tonight, and I put a bet on him for to hit a home run. So on FanDuel's Dinger Tuesday, I'm hoping he can make some magic in cores There, He's just, I mean, he's awesome, man. Like he's off to a great start. It's like. I'm just so excited about Jordan Walker and he's now third base and outfield eligible, which is just like a little icing on top there.
0: Yeah. If if you had to nitpick, he's only walked, uh, 2.4% of the time so far. So, uh, yeah. you know, but, but when you're hitting 342, you can't, you can't really <laughs> complain about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's got a 10 game hit streak to begin his career, really amazing stuff. And, uh, that's kind of just tip of the iceberg we'll see he's one of those players it's just hard to know like the projections for him are not um massive um they all had him hitting around 260 250-260 uh around you know 14 home runs and 10 steals but i mean he could just do so much more than that if if it all comes yeah. together for him this season, and he's off to that great start, so he's one of those players. It's kind of like Julio Rodriguez last year. You know, you 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 want to be in on him too soon, not
1: too late. Yep, absolutely. And I, hopefully they'll they'll let him you know steal a little bit. Like we saw Julio last year was like this awesome player in the first half, and then he stopped stealing bases. I mean, he was still great, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think Jordan Walker has that potential. And like like you said, yeah, he's not walking. He's got a high. Whiff rate, chase rate, which you know for a rookie like that's fine. Like I'll I'll take it with what he's doing at the plate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, but I know I know you're probably pretty excited to talk about Andres Jimenez, right? I,
0: yeah, <laughs> man. I mean, I, I was already like he was one of the guys I was the most high on last season. And then he had this breakout season, and then I just looked at like people weren't really buying it, and then so I was. He's one of the players I was most high on this season too because the the cost hadn't really caught up to the production um and now he's off to another great start this year and uh you know this he's still only 24 years old so like he keeps getting better um the uh the guardians are running an awful lot and i did move steven kwan up my rankings quite a bit as well for this reason because I, I feel like he is going to steal more bases than i than i feared he might um so uh, yeah, it's, it's all good news. I mean, Jimenez already has three steals and in a homer, he's hitting three eighteen. um, just a, a really talented player. And, um, you know, the best could be yet to come for him.
1: Yeah. Um, well my guy, Adley Rutschman, we're getting into some catchers here, um, you know, for my Orioles, I, I, I had moved him up a little bit, but not too much. And then it's like, man, he hit two home runs in his last three games. I mean, the it, the the power the power is just like a nice bonus for him because I have always kind of looked at him as like this Buster Posey type who can bat 300 get some nice RBIs you know maybe he'll hit 10 or 12 home runs but I don't know maybe he'll maybe he'll hit 20 home runs uh, and being at Camden you know being a sw- the switch hitter that he is he can hit them to right and the, that outfield wall on left doesn't have as big of an impact uh, in all in every game so that helps and he's off to a nice hot start and I think if you drafted Adley Rutchman, you're pretty happy if you got him in the middle rounds because you know, catcher's one of those positions like Alejandro Kirk, I know is a guy you really like. He's off to a slow start. There's some there's some catchers who were kind of off to we just talked about Sean Murphy, you know, some of the middle guys. Um just kind of off to some slow starts, but Rutschman, not so much. Yeah, I
0: mean he went out and went five for five uh, in on opening day and then kinda didn't do a whole lot for about a week there. Yeah. And then the last three games, including tonight, he's on a tear again. So um, it just seems like he's, yeah, I mean, he just seems ready, you know. And uh, uh, the bar for catchers to be valuable is not very high, and he's already clearly surpassed it.
1: Yeah. Um, I tell you what, my Orioles and my Diamondbacks are going to be plucky this year. Plucky, is that your you.
0: World Series pick? Is, I missed your solo pod because I was in
1: Spain. No. Is that, what, is that no, where no, you no. landed? I, I, I sprinkled a little bit on Orioles to win the AL and to win the World Series just because the odds are long. and I think I think betting should be fun. But no, I, I actually didn't bet on the Diamondbacks. I, I think they're a year away, and I think the Orioles can – they probably are a year away too, but we'll see.
0: I think they can make the playoffs. We'll see. Yeah. Um, couple other young catchers to talk about, though. Francisco Alvarez uh, mm-hmm. is now... Uh, he's, he's only utility uh, eligibility for right now, but that's going to change pretty soon. Um, with uh, Omar Narvaez out for, I think, two months. Um, yeah. It's going to be a pretty long runway for uh, Francisco Alvarez as long as he gets regular playing time, which we'll have to see. I mean, I don't really understand why they would possibly call him up and not play him. So, um you know, I, I would guess he's going to play most of the time. And, uh, you know, his bat is, is ahead of his defense. Um, but, like, you don't find a lot of catchers that have the kind of offensive potential um, that he has. He's, he's one of the top prospects at the position for a reason. Um, you know, he uh, has, has had uh, hit for quite a lot of power um, in, uh, in the minors as well. So, uh, and it's, it's a good offense that he's joining. So th- there's a lot to be excited about uh, with Francisco Alvarez. Um, anything you want to mention on him before I talk about Logan well, Hop- Ohapi?
1: I mean, yeah, I was just going to say, like, you know, as far as our rankings, I don't know where you moved him, but we had talked about Gabriel Moreno because Carson Kelly got injured. That was before the season started. So we kind of got excited for Moreno. Uh, still am. You know, it's it's still early in the year, obviously. But I moved, I moved uh, Alvarez up there with Moreno. And then also Logan Ohapi, who's our next guy. I mean, Ohapi's already, you know, looking he's already, you know, had a lot twenty eight at bats. So like he's hit three home runs, has nine RBIs, batting two fifty. So Ohapi's, you know, he, I'm just looking at his game log, like Alvarez, he's kind of batting, you know, he'll be batting like eighth or ninth in the order, but Ohapi, you know, he's playing more often than not. So we know the, the playing time is there with him. I have those three catchers kind of grouped similarly, right, you know, in like rounding out like my top twelve to thirteen catchers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think um, Ohapi as a guy, I, I was ranking very aggressively in the preseason, and then it came out that he was not going to start with the with the team. Um, right. So I had to move him down, but um, then Max Stasi uh, landed on the IL very quickly at, at the beginning of the season, so that's given Ohapi a chance to, to, uh, to jump right back in in and uh so i've i'm quite aggressive with my ranking of him uh at this point i've got him uh right there with uh um, tyler stevenson and ahead of gabriel moreno and uh and actually ahead of sean murphy at this point so yeah um makes sense. so yeah i you know francisco alvarez i i feel like we we need to see a little more from so he's a little bit lower for me but uh but Ohapi i think is uh is a top 12 catcher at this point
1: yep some, uh, some other position players, young guys, um, you know, James Outman is a name we probably would have been talking about if we were doing a podcast last week. Uh, you know, he's 76% rostered now, which that's probably up from like 10%, 15%, I'm guessing, you know. Uh, and he's he's 9 for 30, three home runs, nine RBIs, a couple stolen bases, batting 300 eight walks too. So depending on what kind of categories, you know, you have in your league, he's, uh, he's doing it all for the Dodgers. So mm-hmm. this is one where, uh, you know, someone had to kind of fill the void. I actually, you know, kind of looked at David Peralta as like a boring late pick and uh man, I wish I had been talking about talking up Outman <laughs> in the preseason. Yeah, yeah, I was
0: actually pretty in on in on Outman <laughs> uh, uh. coming into the season. Um I felt like people were sleeping on him a little bit. Uh I think maybe that's because he's kind of old for a prospect, like he's 26 years old now. And then mm-hmm. it's also the Dodgers, so you always wonder will he be able to carve out the playing time? But uh, you look at what he did last season. I mean, he between AA, A, and the majors, he hit uh, 32 home runs, stole 13 bases, hit over 290. I mean, that's pretty sweet five-category production that he put up. So yeah. I know the PCL is a pretty hitter-friendly league, um, but he did it in A AA and AAA. Um, he hit well in a brief cup of coffee with the Dodgers last year. And then he's kept it right on going this season. So, uh I you know, he's the kind of player that uh I feel like it's comes out of nowhere and can have that that pretty big breakout.
1: Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of like a Taylor Ward uh last year for the Angels, you know, like and he's he's off to a good start again too this year. You know, he had twenty three stolen bases last year and had he missed some time on the injured, on the injured list and things, but yeah, sometimes you just have to look at these guys and like Altman's a guy that I would not like sell high on. I would I would definitely hold him uh, or even try to trade for him. Uh, you know, cuz he's definitely not on the waiver wire <laughs> in your league, I'm sure if you're listening to this.
0: Yeah, and I, I wonder what his trade value even is because he just didn't have yeah. that same prospect uh hype that some of these other guys had. So, uh, for that reason, like people might be a little skeptical and I'd rather just hold him and enjoy the production. Yep. Um, Nolan Gorman, you know, I mentioned I love post-type sleepers. So, yeah. Nolan Gorman is a guy I've got on my team um, because uh, he's he's getting an opportunity now. and He's still, uh, you know, a young player. So, uh, sometimes uh, it, it's not always linear for these guys, you know. Sometimes they struggle in their first taste of the big leagues. Uh, Gorman is still, he's 22 years old, um, and you know, even even last year with the struggles, I mean, he still hit 14 home runs uh, in 89 games. Uh, he just struck out a lot and hit for a low batting average. But, um, you know, you combine that with what he did in AAA, he hit uh, 30 home runs between AAA and the majors last year. And in, in the minors, he he was not like a huge batting average guy, but he showed the ability to hit around 275, 280. Um, and you would gladly take that with the kind of power potential that he has Um, you know maybe that's a a little ambitious for him in the big leagues but um, I think he could hit 260 270 and hit 25 home runs or something if if he really has a breakout so um, that's interesting especially at second base and um, the other nice thing if you play in a daily league I mean he doesn't he isn't really playing very often against lefties but um, he did actually get a start uh, tonight uh, against uh, Kyle Freeland so uh, he did get a start a, against the a lefty tonight, um, but if you play in those daily leagues, you can also just sit him whenever he's facing lefties and and just uh, use him against righties. So he's going to have those uh, valuable platoon splits.
1: Nice, yeah. Well, another second baseman on this list is Bryce Durang. Yeah, he's eligible at second base and shortstop uh, for the for the Milwaukee Brewers. He has a home run, a couple stolen bases early on, batting .308. Uh, this is someone who I feel like has a little bit more speed than he's shown so far. He had a couple stolen bases. Uh, right at the beginning of April, and he doesn't have any like in the last eight games or so. But he's, you know, he's not playing every single day. Kind of similar to Gorman. Uh, when he is in there, he's batting you know seventh, eighth. But you know, Terang is someone I I wasn't really planning on him starting every day anyway. But just another young guy who I think has a little bit more speed than he's even shown so far. So if he needs stolen bases, I think Tereng, uh might provide them if he can get on base. Oh yeah,
0: stole thirty four bases in the minors last year. Yeah, uh, another guy can provide. Speed and power on the same team. Joey Weimer Mm -hmm. uh, last year he um, between Double A and Triple A had 21 homers, 31 stolen bases, um, and hit uh, for pretty uh, decent average, uh, especially a Triple A. So he's off to a a decent start. He's uh, he hasn't really exploded on the scene, but he's got a homer and a steal. Seems to be kind of going one for four every game right now. So that's the kind of numbers that don't jump off the page but it shows that he's not really overmatched you know his strikeout yeah. rate is reasonable his walk rate's high right now 11.8% walk rate 23.5% k rate in the early going so he seems to be settling in pretty nicely he's at the bottom of the order right now but um things could be in flux if he can if he can hold his own as the season progresses so he's a guy i, I also am rostering
1: sure and uh, i mean i was going to i was going to mention Garrett Mitchell here he's 61% rostered though i mean we're getting into some like Sort of waiver guys, but you have to be in a pretty shallow league for Garrett Mitchell to still be available. Uh, he's batting more like fifth or so in the lineup for the Brewers. Uh, he has three home runs, uh, nothing in the stolen base department, but he's batting 300. Uh, and just you know, this Brewers team, I think, has some good young talent. Uh, they need to they need to win some games, but that's gonna be tough if Burns is struggling and if Woodruff's on the IL. So and Lauer's been kind of struggling too. So I like the Brewers. They were one of my they were one of my guys who or one of my teams who I liked to win the division when I did that podcast without you but they're off to a little bit of a a sluggish start
0: yeah um one other young outfielder another post type sleeper jared kelnick uh he uh he's still striking out a ton so that's that's one concern i guess but he's uh he's on he's on a hot streak right now um and he's still only a 23 year old player who was considered one of the top prospects in all of baseball so um, he's he's uh, currently hitting 300. He's got a homer. He's got a couple steals. Like I said, if he keeps swinging and missing as much as he is, like the average is going to come plummeting again. But um, he's the kind of player that like it, it'd be nice to stash, you know? Like just mm-hmm. wait and see what happens because he's he's starting to build confidence. I feel like confidence was such a big issue for him uh, when he first got called up in 2021, and then again last year. Like he just looked. Like it was the opposite of Julio Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez just looked so ready and excited for the opportunity, whereas Jared Kelnick just seemed afraid of the opportunity. Like it was a little too much pressure for him to handle. But the pressure is really off him now at this point. Like he's a post type sleeper. People have kind of uh, given up on on him. At least the national media and things like that have, have have turned their attention elsewhere. You know, so maybe maybe the people in Seattle are still holding faith but um it's not the same level of pressure yet before so maybe that's yeah. when he needs to succeed
1: well i'll tell you what he was another he i had two dinger tuesday uh bets tonight he was the other one and it looks like he went yard uh at wrigley it looks like a lot of people are <laughs> the wind's blowing out at wrigley tonight um so he hit a hit a home run he's got a couple walks to go along with it so uh having a nice night tonight uh, is Jared kalanick yeah. Um, All right, so some what,
0: young pitchers we, we could talk about here. Why don't we go back to your yeah. Orioles, Grayson Rodriguez. What are your you early returns on him?
1: I know. Well, I mean, I've 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 been able to catch a little bit of it. Um, I didn't see uh, his start tonight, which I was hoping would be nice against Oakland, which is a bad team, and uh, it didn't go so well. And, mm. you know, his first start when he got called up, of course, we should mention, you know, the Kyle Bradish injury, which is kind of why Grayson Rodriguez got called up. I'm hoping that he has staying power uh, and that they just – send Tyler Wells or someone like to a long relief role or something, because I think the Orioles are looking good early on. I'd like for Rodriguez to stay his first game. He went up against Jacob DeGrom, which can you imagine <laughs> your first start in the big leagues and you got to face off against him. And you know, he looked, he looked like he was struggling early on and then he settled down. And tonight a little bit more of the same, like he struggled early on, uh, settled down a bit. Uh, the strikeouts are there, you know, he had five strikeouts, six strikeouts. So like, I love the strikeout potential, good swing and miss stuff. So I think maybe just getting some early jitters out. I think Grayson Rodriguez is someone. If I didn't have him, which I do, uh, I would be trading for him. Uh, just hoping that the Orioles do the right thing and keep him up there because Bradish will be back soon. I think I saw he was going to have a rehab assignment, or maybe he already did. Uh, he got hit with a line drive, so like he's going to come back. And so I do worry a little bit that they could send Rodriguez back down, but I'm just hoping they do. They don't do that.
0: Yeah, I mean he walked four guys tonight, which is part of part of the problem that he, the reason he got into trouble. Um so yep. command is the thing you're you're looking for. Um but walks have not been a huge issue for him um in the minors, at least not since A ball. So um yeah, I mean I I think that uh the jitters and all that. I mean even though this was his second start, maybe maybe he um I don't know. Maybe maybe he was up for the the challenge of facing DeGrom but then Maybe got a little overconfident uh, getting to uh, face Oakland. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully, even if he did get sent down again, I mean, I think he's going to be a big part of um, that rotation for the the majority of this season for the Orioles. And uh, um, he's got as much upside as any young pitcher in the game. Yeah, for sure. Um, Some other – you know, I mean, Dustin May is a guy who (laughs) was – he was kind of Grayson Rodriguez a few years ago, right? And then he ran into – Uh, Tommy John surgery and had his had his uh, his trajectory sort of uh, thrown off. Um, But now he's back. He's still only 25. He's pitching for the Dodgers, which is one of the best uh, situations you can be in. And um, so far, he's got an 069 ERA (laughs) on the (laughs) season. Uh, And now, granted, he's been he's been a little bit fortunate because he's not striking out a ton of guys so far. Um, He's got a 143 Babbitt against. So uh, it's only two starts. These are the kind of wacky numbers we can see at this point. But um, this is just an exciting young pitcher uh, who's, uh, you know, has has great stuff, I think. And uh, if he's back to full health and and, uh, pitching in that environment, he's going to be valuable.
1: Yeah, and I, he's he's going to be pitching tonight, too, while we wrap up the podcast, so we'll have to see how his third start goes. <laughs> and We could be Francisco. made to look stupid
0: on a lot of these guys by the
1: time this <laughs> airs. <laughs> I tell you what, with Dustin May, though, like when we talked pitcher previews, I liked him a lot, and my concern was, what if he only throws 140, 150 innings? And maybe that'll still be the case, but I do think his first two starts, going seven, going six, like that's that's what I'm looking at. Like Not only are they good starts, but he's going deep into games. Mm-hmm. Like You might get 180 innings out of Dustin May this year, or... Maybe he doesn't hold up. Maybe the Dodgers, you know, put him on the IL for a month or something and uh, manage, in quotation marks, his injuries like they've done with Clayton Kershaw and some of his phony injuries. <laughs> right, right. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I do like Dustin May, though. Uh, next guy on the list, Nick Lodolo. Yeah. You know, when, I, when I did my preseason uh, betting uh, odds, you know, like I said, they were all long shots for the most part. One that I liked a lot was Hunter Green to lead the league in strikeouts which, you know, still, mm. still could be, still could happen. It was, I think it was 30 to one, but, um, his teammate, Nick Lodolo, and he's looking good, you know, yeah, and man. maybe, maybe I bet on the wrong red. I don't know. I mean, Hey, I-, I
0: told you in the preseason, <laughs> I told you I was much higher on Nick Lodolo than Hunter green this season.
1: And, uh, yeah, so
0: far that's looking like a good bet. I know again, it's, it's very early, but, uh, yeah. this guy has just shown elite bat missing stuff, um, all throughout the minors and, uh, last season, um, with the Reds, huge strikeout numbers, and it's just continued right on this season.
1: Yeah, twenty-one strikeouts in twelve innings. So yeah, Ladolo is looking awesome. I th- I do think Hunter Green. I mean, and Graham Ashcraft for that matter. I mean, he's on our list too. Uh, or do we? I don't know if we added him. We probably should have. But you know, the Reds have some good young arms uh, that in, there in Cincinnati now.
0: Yeah, and you got to strike out batters <laughs> to succeed when you're pitching your home games in that uh, launch pad that they play yeah.
1: in Cincinnati. <laughs> Absolutely we've got some deeper guys some young guys who were a little bit more available if you were you know looking at waivers uh, Bryce Elder for the Braves is 48 percent Chris Bubich is 15 percent for the Royals who looks like a different pitcher this year he's been rough uh, in years past but apparently uh you know his velocity's up and he's just he, I don't know if he's got different pitch mix um I, li- I was listening to the CBS guys talk about him and uh, they were referencing someone else so it's like you know kind of third hand what I was listening to here but it, everyone is saying Bubich is looking like a different pitcher. So I feel like at such a low roster percentage, 15%, the time to buy in is now, you know, don't wait until he, ha- he continues to have start after start. Like if he really is a different pitcher, I think I would go ahead and buy in now on Bubich. Yeah. I
0: think it's worth picking him up and just seeing what happens. I mean, he's got yeah. totally different mechanics. His release point is completely different than it was before. So uh, he was really bad the last couple seasons, but yeah, he's a different pitcher now. And we know we've seen this with pitchers they can completely change overnight sometimes when they when they revamp what they're doing so um some other guys uh, Dre Jameson, uh people might have picked him up when he got a save and now he's going to be a starter <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. there's that and then Mackenzie Gore is another post type sleeper I'm really into uh of this group I think my favorites are uh Bryce Elder I feel like is like the high floor low ceiling guy because I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be a big strikeout guy Um, But he's pitched well so far, and he's on the Braves. It's a great situation. Like these other guys, all play for. No offense to your Diamondbacks, but Royals, (laughs) Diamondbacks, Nationals. Like I feel like those aren't great situations to be pitching in. Like Bryce Elders in a in a really solid situation. So if he can hold down a roster spot um, in Atlanta, I think he's going to be a good back end fantasy starter. But um, he doesn't really have upside to be like a, a high end guy. Uh, whereas these other guys, I'm not so in on Jameson, but Bubich and and Gore are guys that I feel like have some breakout potential. I I would think I would slightly lean Gore myself personally, but I could see it going either way.
1: Yeah, I think Jameson. You know, like you said, he he got a he got a two or three inning save the other day, but now with uh, Zach Davies out, looks like he's going to get a shot at uh, you know a starting starting position. But that might not that might not be that might not last, you know. And they've also got uh, fought in the in the minors. He could come up, but I just think again, kind of speculative. I think same with Bubic. Like, pick him up, see what happens. Uh, maybe don't maybe don't just put him out there for his first start. Uh, as far as Jameson.
0: Mm-hmm. and Gore, yeah, it's just exciting. Like, you know, I feel like he's one of these guys that came up when he was so young um, with the Padres that like people yeah. kind of forgot about him. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but he's he's only twenty four. He's still really young, you know? So, um, I just, I just still see a ton of potential with him. And, uh, the walks are the, the scary part, but he's got bat missing stuff. And, um, the Nats have every reason to see what they have in him at this point. So he's going to yeah. have a long leash, I
1: think. Man, he's younger than Jameson, who's 25. There you go. <laughs> That's funny. All, All right. right. So
0: let's move on to some other movers. Um, and we'll try to get through these relatively quickly. Yeah. Um, so we'll start with, uh, some uh, hitters veteran hitters uh, Luis Robert uh, I have on here just because uh, he just looks great again and it's just <laughs> a reminder whenever this guy's healthy he's really good um yeah. so I you know I, maybe he stays healthy this year and if he does I think he's gonna be a great
1: value uh, as it turns out absolutely like I was ranking him along the lines of guys like Randy Rosarena Cedric Mullen, sort of in that tier of guys who have some some speed. Uh, to go with some power so far uh, Robert doesn't have a stolen base but I think he'll he'll get some of those as well Um, yeah agreed like if he can stay healthy that's kind of the big thing with guys like him like with Jazz Chisholm O'Neal Cruz (laughs) we just talked about getting injured unfortunately like there's a lot of these guys who have big-time potential but they just like play their heart out and sometimes that leads to injuries Mm -hmm. Um, and then Xander
0: Bogarts is another guy like I I feel like when sometimes when guys um, switch teams Especially a guy like Bogarts, who played for one team for as long as he did, like a full mm-hmm. decade with the Red Sox, um, you kind of wonder is this gonna is this gonna be a, a bad thing for him or a good thing for him? You know, and sure. um, I sort of feel like he he just seems rejuvenated to me. You know, like he's always been a good player, but it, it felt like those last couple years in Boston, like he was just sort of I don't know. It just sort of. I don't want to say going through the motions because he was still putting up very solid numbers, but it just felt like maybe some of the joy of, of the game had had slipped past him a little. And I know that's narrative street, but I just feel like he, we've seen this with the Padres. I mean, they've brought in guys and um, they like, look at Machado, you know, like I, there's just been guys who've been excited to be there and sort of, um, uh, energize their game. And I feel like we're seeing that a little bit with Bogarts. He's already got three homers, He's, he's stolen a base already. He's We know he's always a good bet to hit 300. So um, he was one of those guys that I felt like people were just not excited to draft, you know, because he's like mm-hmm. kind of doesn't stand out massively in any one area. But um, I think he's going to uh, end up being quite a, a, a strong value this year.
1: Yeah, and then going to the new team, I mean, there were some concerns maybe about the, the hitting environment. You know, Fenway was a little bit better. But you're right. I mean, it is a little narrative streak, but you might be right, too. Like, the, the Red Sox last couple seasons have been a little bit more on the downturn and, and going to that lineup in San Diego. I mean, gosh, he's been batting leadoff some. He's batting fourth. I feel like he kind of had to be that number three batter for the Red Sox in what a lineup that was sort of on the decline a little bit. Uh, and now, like you mentioned Machado, same thing. Like, when he was traded from Baltimore, they were, like, the worst team in baseball. And you mm-hmm. saw his career just kind of take off in San Diego. So we might, yeah, I mean, Bogart's a good player. Uh, he was a boring pick in drafts, but if you made that boring pick, I mean, sometimes those things just pay off, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I
0: mean, I, th- I think the fact he's 30 years old and the fact that shortstop is as deep as it is, like, he was just completely under the radar for people, you know? But yeah. he's been a good player in fantasy every single year of his career
1: yeah i mean another kind of boring pick brian reynolds who's next on our list i mean he's like one of the best fantasy players if not the best in baseball right now with five home runs 14 rbis he's got a couple stolen bases batting 366 you know we we talked about o- o'neill cruz a bunch and brian reynolds is the lone bright spot there left in pittsburgh and who knows for how long right because everyone's speculating that he'll get traded at some point this season and with o'neill cruz going out it, it almost feels like inevitable at this point but Yeah, I mean, Reynolds was a guy who was like a quiet top 12, 15 outfielder, I think a couple years ago. I don't think he was last year, but he's just like super consistent. But now he's just looking like, well, maybe he'll take off. And if he went to a different team, he might even take off some more. Well, honestly, that's
0: the best part about this. I think if you've got Brian Reynolds, I just I think the fact that he's putting up such eye-popping numbers increases the chances that he gets dealt relatively soon. And, uh, you know, that's what you're looking for. If you've got him, you want him to move to one of those loaded offenses uh, as soon as possible to help with his, his run production numbers. But yeah, I mean, he's a proven uh, star player. I mean, he's not, he's, he's again, sort of like Bogart's like not, you know, doesn't put up massive numbers in any one category, but he's just can give you across the board production.
1: Do you want to talk about Matt Chapman or just move on? (laughs) (laughs) He's been very good. I,
0: I, you know, I, We've seen Matt Chapman look good for stretches, though. So, like, I, you know, I'm gonna need to see it for a lot longer than a couple weeks before I <laughs> I change my tune on him. But yeah, uh, I mean, he's he actually only has two home runs so far, but he's hitting 475. That's the crazy part. I mean, yeah, like that's higher than his batting average for the last two seasons combined. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you like literally like, you yeah. add the numbers together and it's lower.
1: I was gonna say you might be able to add three years together. Yeah, it's yeah, not you know. how math works, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, we can move on. We'll, we'll we'll check in on Matt Chapman in a couple weeks and we'll see we'll see how he's doing.
0: Fair. I'm much more excited to talk about JD Martinez. Maybe I'm just like you know, as someone that's a Red Sox fan and. Uh, dealing with the this the Red Sox being a mess and these guys Xander Bogarts and J D Martinez yeah. finding greener pastures out west you know like <laughs> J D Martinez to me I think is a great um, a great bounce back candidate this season I mean um, he's just still a very good hitter and I know he's 35 years old now but um, he's he's hitting in a plum spot in the lineup he's going to have so many opportunities to drive in runs. Uh, he's still gonna hit for a pretty solid average I think Um, so I just I just think he's one of these players like yeah he doesn't steal bases and he's probably not a 30 plus home run guy anymore at this point but if he hits like 25 home runs and drives in 90 plus runs hits 270 like you'll take that every day
1: oh yeah he's he's Edgar Martinez man he's like late late career Edgar Martinez a guy I loved and uh, yeah JD Martinez is just a a career he's just a great hitter and yeah it's, it's fine to root for guys like that I mean I was rooting for Trey Mancini last year after he got traded to the Astros like I didn't have to root for the Astros but I wasn't I mean I was kind of happy for him to get a ring you know yeah and you don't you don't have to root for the Dodgers but if they get a ring you can be happy for JD Martinez oh sure sure
0: and I'm happy for me because I've got him on my team and he's already got nine RBS exactly uh, <laughs> so some deeper names John Birdie I mean this guy is eligible all over the field and um, he's playing every day now which was something that coming into the season we didn't think was necessarily going to be happening Mm -hmm. um now he only has uh well i was gonna say he only has one stolen base but he actually stole a second base tonight and (laughs) last year he stole 41 bases i believe in half a season essentially (laughs) yeah so like this guy's got as much stolen base upside as anybody and right now coming into today he was hitting 212 with zero homers, zero RBIs, and one steal. So, like, that was not really high on the list for a lot of people, but um, he's 42% rostered in Yahoo, and I just think the steals could start coming in bunches right now. So he's a guy I would definitely want to pick up.
1: Well, if you're looking for steals, I mean, a couple of other guys we have on this list, Miles Straw, Jorge Mateo. Uh, Miles Straw, I believe, is leading the majors in steals with six right now. Mateo has five. Uh, It looks like he just had his fifth tonight against Oakland. Uh, In the case of Straw, like, that's kind of you know. That's kind of all you're getting. You might get a decent average and some stolen bases. There's no power. Uh, Mateo has already hit a couple home runs, so he's got a little bit of pop. He's going to bat at the bottom of that order. I, I didn't. I thought Mateo might just lose out on some playing time this year, but so far he's been playing like pretty much every day. So if you need stolen bases, Jorge Mateo is looking. Looking good again He had a good season last year And I think people weren't I mean he's like The poor man's Andres Jimenez maybe Like no respect Right like Mm. No one really thought He would do it again I even didn't really think He would do it again But uh, he's, he's looking good Early on
0: yeah, I kind of think of him as like the poor man's hobby Baez, maybe, because like, mm, yeah, he, you know, I, I don't trust his batting. Error. I mean, right now he's hitting two eighty, like that's going to come way down. But it will. He, he can hit for some homer. He can hit some homers and steal some bases, steal a lot of bases, really. So yeah, um, you know, less power than Baez, more speed, but um, just sort of it, I, the reason I say it is because it's like some some of these guys like. Um, you know, the fantasy community doesn't love because they're, like, not well-rounded players. Like, you know, like, Jorge Mateo's not going to draw a lot of walks. Like, he's going to strike out a fair amount. Um, But, like, he's going to give you double-digit home runs and a ton of steals as long as he's playing every day. So, yeah. um, Yeah, I mean, of these three guys, like, to me, Mateo and Birdie would be ahead of Straw just because, um, you know, Birdie is eligible everywhere and Mateo brings the power aspect, um, whereas Straw is just... Uh, An outfielder. Um, Not that outfield is deep these days, but um, (laughs) yeah. I mean, if you need the steals, you you take whoever you can get out of that group, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Well, we've talked about like the entire uh, Brewers organization at this point, but Brian Anderson, a new (laughs) Brewer, uh, you know, he came over from Miami, which you know, not a very hitter friendly park, uh, and the Brewers uh, stadium is a little bit more. He's got three home runs early on. He's eligible, I believe, at third and outfield, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. Nice little bonus there. He's betting three thirty three. It's early, but Brian Anderson is like a good good early player that people have picked up. We'll see if it lasts. Um, we'll see if it lasts with all these Brewers. But Brian Anderson was kind of a hot pickup last week, and you know he's still doing all right.
0: I'm very skeptical on him, but <laughs> a guy I'm a little more interested in is Yandy Diaz. Like it's kind of like um, you know we were talking about Wander Franco and the launch angle. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Yandy Diaz is like the ten year ten years older version on the same team because like he's a guy that has great contact skills and has proven he can hit for a high average he just has hit for virtually no power up to this point because he doesn't lift the ball you know um, yeah. so that's another guy he's got some home, a couple uh was it two or three home runs early three i believe early no, it looks in the like he hit one against
1: it looks like he hit one against boston tonight
0: oh well there you go so yeah yeah i mean maybe maybe something's changing with him as well where he's um where he's uh, starting to lift the ball in the air more and, uh, and can tap into that power a little bit. Cause he always has hit the ball hard. He just has hit it on the ground a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's another guy that I, uh, I would be interested in uh, keeping a close eye on to see if he continues to lift the ball. Um, then some other deeper names. I mean, Orlando Arcia. like, you know, I love on Grissom and I was really hoping mm-hmm. he was going to be the starter for the, the Braves this year, but, he's not Orlando RC is, and he's been solid so far. So deeper leagues, if you, if you just need a guy, I mean, he is eligible at three spots, second, uh, shortstop and outfield. Um, Yitzhak Paredes as well. I mean, we're, we're talking about a lot of, uh, a lot of players from the same teams here. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, you know, when it's the, uh, first place un, uh, unstoppable raise, you got to talk yeah. about him. So Yusak Paredes, he had a real hot stretch last season, um, and he's off to a, a really nice start again this year as well. So he's a guy that um, could provide quite a bit of power. He actually is another guy who homered again tonight.
1: Wow, yeah, career two thirteen hitter though. I mean, it's he's pretty young career so far, but he's batting two ninety right now, so probably probably hitting well above what he likely will do but you're right the power could be there he hit 20 home runs last year and he does have the the multiple position eligibility he has first second and third i think coming into the year maybe he just had second and third he's added one of those i know
0: yeah and i like that streak last year i mean he he i'd have to look at the numbers a little closer but i feel like he hit like a home run in like 10 games in a row or something crazy like that and like yeah. if you look at all of his numbers they were all basically put up in the first half of the season and then like he I think he had an injury and then just did absolutely nothing in the second half so like you know looking at his career batting average I don't think tells you a ton I mean it's like 609 plate appearances and um you know I I'm not saying he's going to be like a a 300 hitter or anything like that but I I think the jury's out on exactly
1: where that average would land yeah that's fair that's fair um, I, I was gonna mention a couple of other guys real quick before we move on to some pitchers. Uh Trevor Larnack, uh, who's an outfielder for the twins, he's twenty one percent rostered. Uh he might have a little bit of power. Uh, you know, he's he's off to a nice, nice start here. Another maybe late bloomer. And then Chaz McCormick, who I mentioned when we were talking about uh I think Jeremy Pena, you know, he's he's been hitting leadoff for the Astros. So he's fourteen percent rostered, has a couple home runs. I mean, just the fact that he's batting leadoff for that team, I think is worth monitoring. At least add him to your watch list since he's so you know low rostered right now. Yeah, and he's got a little
0: bit of pop. For some reason, I didn't think of him as a as a power hitter, but um, 14 home runs um, in uh, uh, 2021 and 2022, both in uh, you know 400 300 to 400 plate appearances. So um, not bad. You know, 20 home run power over a full season, at least. Um, it's nothing to sneeze at, especially when you're going to pile up runs at the top of the lineup. Yep. Um, so pitchers, uh, yeah. we've got a couple Rays. I mean, the ra- it's everyone on the Rays needs to be rostered at this point the way this team <laughs> is playing. But <laughs> Jeffrey Springs and Drew Rasmussen are both guys that I felt like I was pretty high on coming into the year, but now you have to be even higher on them. I mean, they're like both top five overall in five-by-five tw- in five value right now, I think, of yeah. all players. They've just been that good. Now the, the Rays, I, I, you know, I do want to mention like they've had some a very easy schedule uh, to start the season. So like neither of these guys has faced a uh, a tough offense yet. Um, you know, Springs has faced uh, Oakland and Detroit, and uh, I believe Rasmussen has faced uh, Washington. I want to say, yeah. yeah I mean, they've, they've played uh, Washington the and them. Oakland. Yeah. So yeah. like. I mean, those are those are three of the probably bottom five offenses in baseball. So yeah. we'll have to see how these guys do when they're challenged more. But I mean, their numbers are flat out dominant right now.
1: Yeah, I mean Shane McClanahan. Obviously, we don't need to talk about him. But yeah, the whole the whole staff there. It's like you need to you need to be rostering. I think the water boy there in Tampa. Um, another <laughs> team. I mean the Twins. This was a team that I talked about in my preview. I do like them. I have a. I don't know, 20 or $30 bet on them to win the World Series. I, I just, I like the, I think they were 35 to one, maybe to win the World Series. I like that they brought over Pablo Lopez, who's looked in, looking really good early on. Um, and then Sonny Gray, you know, solid pitcher. Kenta Maeda, who's coming off, uh, he's coming off Tommy John, I believe, right? And just, yep. you know, just first couple starts looking really good. Well, first start was great. Second start was against the White Sox, I guess, yesterday and wasn't as great, but still. Still solid, and I just think this pitching staff looks good. Um, The the bullpen's good. Um, But just as far as these pitchers, I've moved all of them slightly up. And Pablo Lopez, I think I moved up the most. Mm -hmm. You know, coming over from Miami, I think, again, like Miami I think is just a bad team. Uh, I don't see them doing a whole lot. The only only year in recent memory where they've done well at all was that COVID-shortened season. Otherwise, they lose like 90-plus games a year. You know, like they're just year after year. And I think the Twins have something going there, and Pablo Lopez brings a lot to the table.
0: Yeah, he's my favorite of that group as well. Um, I do think it's close because there's kind of like each of them, I feel like, has like one caveat, you know? With Pablo Lopez, for me, it's health. I mean, he's just not a guy that has shown he can stay healthy over the course of full seasons. Like, he has a a littered injury history. Sonny Mm -hmm. Gray has kind of a history of ups and downs. Um, You know, we just don't ever know exactly what we're going to get from him over long stretches of the season. Uh, and then Maeda, like you said, coming back from a, a significant injury. And then even in his heyday, he was one of those guys that tended to have a higher ERA. Um, like he would have good strikeouts and good whip, um, but a lot of home runs that, that he's tended to allow. So um, they're, they're all guys that I think should be rostered in mixed leagues, but like um, probably none of them are going to be aces. They're, they're more like, you know, f- number three, number four, fantasy start or something like that.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Um, what about uh, Kodai Senga? Man, this dude for the Mets coming over from Japan. He's looking really good. I know uh, in the preseason, um, fantasy pros had reached out to probably people like you and me to send little blurbs of who can be sort of you know breakout players uh, this year, league winners. Rowdy Telez was my guy who I, who, I, who I liked and still like uh, as a potential you know top 10 first baseman, sneaky player. Uh, but Senga was my pitcher who was being drafted outside of the top 80, I believe, starting pitchers. And I was just looking at his numbers, and it's like it's it was the unknown, right? And you see this, this ghost fork pitch that he has, and he looks like he has some really good swing and miss stuff. He was showing it in spring training because he didn't do the uh, World Baseball Classic. And, yeah, he's already just looking really good through a couple starts. And, uh, yeah, I wish I had drafted him everywhere.
0: <laughs> I'm, like, looking it up now to see, like, where I had him versus the consensus coming into the season because I think I was pretty high on him as well. Yeah. Um, like yeah i mean i was i was 18 spots ahead um of consensus nice. for starting pitchers i had him at 43 consensus was 61 so yeah i mean i you know it's always a little bit of an unknown with these pitchers coming over from overseas but um this is a guy that has a long track record of being a very good pitcher in japan yeah. and i uh, was entering into a really good situation as well so there was a lot to be excited about um He's had a fair share of walks um, early on, so that's just something to keep an eye on. Like, his his peripherals don't fully match the 159 ERA, but that's not surprising. Um, you're going to see that kind of thing uh, this early in the season. Um, but I think I would actually take him over any of those Minnesota pitchers we were just talking about.
1: Yeah, I think I would. It would be close between Pablo Lopez, but, but just looking at what he's done early on, I think, I think I'd think i have to, just with sort of the unknown, right, the upside, where we've seen these other guys pitch in, in the majors.
0: Yep, yep. How about Jesus Lazardo? He's a guy we were both pretty excited about coming into the season. He's also off to a very strong start. Where would you rank him compared to those other pitchers?
1: Gosh, I'm gonna have to pull up where I did rank him, but I think I have him ranked above all of them, and it's just, he's got great He's got great swing and miss stuff. Uh, he's had at least 5Ks in all three of his starts, 10Ks in seven innings against the Twins. Uh, and he's you know, he's won all all three games. Well, it looks like against the Twins, maybe he didn't get the decision, which is unfortunate as well as he pitched. Um, but yeah, like, Lizardo is someone who is like, again, kind of like a post-post type sleeper. Like, I was loving him like three years ago in Oakland, you know, and it just feels like so long, so long ago. I think coming into the season, same thing, kind of like a Dustin May where I was like, how many innings are you really going to get out of him but if he keeps this going if he can stay healthy if he can throw 170 80 innings Lizardo, i mean i think he's going to be a top 12 starting pitcher i really do he's like this year's Shane McClanahan, potentially
0: mhm so the way i have this ranked i'm looking at it now as well i have i have um senga ranked ahead of lazardo um, but i have lazardo ahead of uh the twins pitchers i Basically, I've got Senga back-to-back with Jeffrey Springs uh, uh, just inside my top 100 overall players. I've got Lizardo um, right there um, with Drew Rasmussen um, just outside my top 100 players. Um, and then the Twins guys, um, you know, Pablo Lopez, I do have highest. I've got him at 145. Uh, and then Sonny Gray um, is uh, is next for me. Uh, at, okay. uh, so, you know... Um, Sunny Gray at one forty six, I actually have them back to back. So maybe I should have Lopez a little further ahead. But uh my idea would be third of the of the twins pitchers for me.
1: Okay. We've got a we've got a couple couple giants uh here to talk about, Sean Maniah and Anthony diesel Di- 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 Excuse me, that's a mouthful. Um <laughs> Mania had a rough first outing, only made it through two innings. Uh but then against It, it uh, was Cam- actually
0: a relief appearance.
1: Oh, was it? Oh he came in for uh oh yeah, you're right, okay. Okay. Yep. Never For mind. Ross Stripling. Yeah, that's right. Who's also been he's he's been struggling. So okay. So he had a rough relief appearance, and then he had his start against Kansas City, where he had he went six strong innings, had eight strikeouts. So it's gonna be interesting to see. I mean, when we talked about Mania before the season, it was sort of like you know guys that come to San Francisco to L.A. to the Dodgers, sometimes they kind of get right and and you know get with these coaching staffs who coach them up, and maybe Mania is someone. Uh, you know who who could have a good year. He's uh, he's much less rostered. Uh, Deesclafani's De fifty seven percent. Mania's thirty seven percent. At least at the time of recording this. So mm-hmm. I I think I would. I, I don't know who would you pick of those two if you're looking at adding. You know one of those guys off the waiver wire.
0: Well, I would I would very much like to add both of them. To be honest, like I'm I'm all in on this this idea that that the Giants can reinvent pitchers. Um yeah. I, I guess you'd have to give the slight edge to D. Sclafani just because like he was good last season, you know. Um true. Or I guess two seasons ago it was. Last season he he, he barely pitched. But his first season in San Francisco was in twenty twenty one and he posted a three seventeen ERA uh that season uh in hundred sixty seven and two thirds innings. So that's that's pretty good. Like I just I think Manaya hasn't shown that yet, but at the same time Manaya um has been showing improved velocity this spring and in his first start as well um so i think the giants might have found something there um so i think both of these guys could be uh guys you pick up now and then end up rostering for the rest of the season if if things uh work out and it's just it's a very favorable situation that they're in i, I just i tend to gravitate towards giants pitchers
1: yeah okay Um, another another name that people will recognize on this list is Marcus Stroman he's off to a nice start he's got a couple good home starts in some cold weather at Wrigley I will say both of those starts I remember seeing those they were both had very low over under under totals with wind blowing in so I think he had some favorable conditions against some bats and you know he hasn't given up an an, an earned run yet and uh, just looking at he's had a long career like we've we kind of know that Stroman he's a solid pitcher. He's had some good years. I think his best years are behind him, so he's someone on this list who, you know, I've moved him up a little bit, but at the same time, if I have him, I would have no problem throwing him into a trade and getting rid of him. (laughs) How about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't think he's in the same class as these other guys we were talking about. I think he's better in a points league where, um, you know, the strikeout rate isn't as important, but then again, he does have 14 strikeouts in those 12 innings so far, he so does? that's that's interesting. Um, it's way too few innings to to draw any conclusions about that. But um, that was my main reason for fading him this year was just that he doesn't strike out a lot of batters. I mean, if you look at it, he's had a, a 3.50 or lower ERA um, in three straight seasons and four of the last five. So like yeah. he's going to be a good pitcher in terms of ERA. Um, you know, his whip has actually also been good um, the last couple seasons. So, uh, you know, his walk rate is, it has been very manageable um, those, those seasons. So uh, good ratio guy, honestly. Um, and if the strikeouts come up at all, like, he becomes interesting. But if they don't, then, you know, it's, it's another one of these guys where it's like, can he continue that success um, with the new rules in place and uh, the ban on the shift? Um, and things like that. Is that going to uh, affect these um, pitch-to-contact pitchers more than the strikeout
1: guys? Yeah, there's definitely a reason why we listed him last of these starting pitchers. <laughs> and then maybe we get into—we want to talk about a few, like, kind of closing situations, maybe some uh, some relief pitchers people could add off the waiver wire.
0: Yeah, sure. So we talked about um, Andres Munoz landing on the I.L. I, I think that that means Paul Seawald is, um, you know, going to get the the majority of the saves, but not all of them, as I said. Um, another guy that's looking like he's going to get the majority of the saves, Evan Phillips. Now, mm-hmm. we talked about this in the preseason, and I, there was no sign of this. Like, it it was supposedly going to be um, – there was a report in uh, March that it was going to be uh, Bruce Dark Gratterall, or mm-hmm. D- uh, Daniel Hudson, if anyone was going to become the guy in with the Dodgers. But then we had um, – just the other day, we learned from Dave Roberts that – uh, as of right now, Evan Phillips is going to be pitching in the ninth more often than anyone else, I believe is what he said. So, yeah. um, again, like I don't think he's going to be the guy, Like just like I don't think Paul Seawalt's going to be the guy, but they're going to be the majority of the save opportunities on good teams, good pitching environments, and they have great stuff, uh, can put up great ratios, great strikeouts. So both of those guys, to me, are really strong fantasy options at this point.
1: Yeah, and I, I liked Phillips a lot when we talked about the closers uh, coming in. He was a guy I had higher than consensus, but I, I didn't think that he would necessarily just like win the job. It was more just about being like, you know, a high leverage type guy, a Johan Duran, whatever. Like those guys are very valuable, and I thought maybe he'd still get ten or twelve saves, and that might be how it shakes out. But Daniel Hudson doesn't really look that close to returning, um, so yeah, it could just be Phillips uh, for the foreseeable future. So we'll see. Um, We talked about Daniel Bard going on the IL. so Pierce Johnson. He's 62% rostered now, so not really available. But um, one guy who is available is Andrew Chafin at 41% for the Diamondbacks. I believe he's got a couple saves now. So he looks like the best bet to get saves. The Diamondbacks have been winning some games. Sometimes teams like the Diamondbacks, like the Orioles. You know, I love me some Felix Felix Bautista. I mean, they often find themselves in close games. Um, And, you know, so, like, I think Chafin's, a speculative ad, um, really. Just, I mean, I think he's an ad if he needs, needs saves. What do you think? Absolutely, and to be honest, like he's been a pretty good pitcher the last few uh, seasons as
0: well. So yeah. he's not like a guy that's going to kill your ratios, you know. So even if he's uh, not getting all of the saves, like it's going to be okay. Like you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna be paying a price to be chasing saves with him. So I like him as a pickup. Uh, also, a guy I'm very excited about right now is a Rawls Chapman who just looks completely dominant right now. He looks like the Araldus Chapman uh, of old with the Yankees. And, um, you know, right now Scott Barlow is still the primary closer um, for the Royals, but um, he had pitched two days in a row and then had a a day off and Chapman got a safe opportunity the other night and he shut them down without uh, much worry at all. So (laughs) I I think that um, as the season goes along, I, I think that we could definitely see a changing of the guard here and Chapman takes over this job. I mean, like he's too, I, it's just hard to imagine a this Chapman pitching like he is right now and not getting save chances, you know, like I, sure, I feel like um, he, he's uh, he, the, and it would make sense for the Royals too. I mean, if they want to trade him at the sure. trade deadline, like give him the closer job, let him show he's dominant and he's going to be a uh, quite valuable um, asset for them uh, in July. So uh, I I, uh, I have uh, the gap between Barlow and Chapman in my rankings is not very significant at this point yeah
1: I was going to say the thing about we talked about Brian Reynolds potentially getting traded I mean Chapman like you mentioned could be a great trade candidate and oftentimes what happens when closers or setup guys get traded it often just leaves a hole behind right and then it's the next man up but this could be a situation where what if you have a team like the Angels or someone who's in contention and they trade for a Chapman and he becomes the closer like that doesn't happen as often but I could see it happening with a with a guy like Chapman so he could yeah. be very valuable second half exactly
0: and he's also a guy the way he's pitching right now like even if he's not getting all the saves like he's gonna put up a huge strikeout rate and good ratios um, mm-hmm. you know Jose Alvarado is another guy like that like I don't think he's um, the closer with the Phillies right now, but like he could see some of the chances and he's putting up amazing strikeout rate and uh ratio. So like, I love rostering players like that. Um And then I just wanted to, you know, this was my final pick in my, in my draft uh, was Liam Hendricks. And, you know, it's interesting. People just like gave up on Liam Hendricks in drafts. Like they just, we didn't, we, you know, obviously cancer is a really serious thing and everyone was like, well, he's probably not going to pitch this season, but right. that was never reported that he wasn't going to pitch this season, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, I feel like he ended up being a great buying opportunity and it's like, it, it's, he's the kind of player that you love drafting too. Cause you want to root for the guy and now you have, you have a, a added reason to root for him. Um, and They the White Sox chose not to put him on the 60 day IL, they put him on the 15 day, which was a great sign. Uh, he just wrapped up his last chemotherapy session um, a few days ago, rang the bell. Um, you know, it it sounds like he could really be back by the end of May. Um, and he was one of the best closers in baseball. Um, and uh, you know, they don't have anyone else that's going to be taking that job from him, that's for sure. So, this is a guy that could be a closer. Uh, a top five closer, even um, for four months of the season, that you could have just basically got for free.
1: Yeah, all great points. And like Ronaldo Lopez has looked okay, but Kendall uh, Graveman has looked terrible. And you're right; he would step right back in. Uh, it would take. It's going to take some time, I'm sure. But yeah, I'm all about all, all about it. I have him in a league stashed, and I love ending the show on a high note since we started out talking about O'Neill <laughs> Cruz and his ankle, his leg, and all the shakers and guys moving down our draft. So end it with Liam Hendricks, you know, beating. Beating cancer. Yep, and he's still only sixty
0: four percent rostered in Yahoo. So check your waiver wire. He there's a chance he's still available, and you can just stash him in an IL spot too. So it's even better. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Deep breath. That was a <laughs> that was a big show. Uh, but we will be back to recording at least once a week now going forward. So uh, we won't have quite as much to cover <laughs> each and every week. Um, there's always a ton of moving parts at the beginning of the season as well. So we're gonna settle into a groove here. At the rest of season rankings podcast we as always greatly appreciate all of you at home listening uh, please do uh, reach out to us on twitter if you have any questions uh, about waiver wire pickups or trades or uh, our rest of season rankings uh, which are again up at rosrankings.com. rankings.com
1: uh, you can reach out to me on twitter at andrew underscore sifter and i am at barton wheeler if you like the show please follow subscribe rate and review we are out of here we gone
0: you've been listening to the rest of season rankings podcast go to www.rosrankings.com for more